the temperature outside is the 26th of November. You're listening to 27 Degrees. And the time is Talking Dressage on 4 Z. My name is Harry. You might know me from such radio shows as this one. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to have you listening tonight because there's a lot to get through. In fact, i really got to go, so we got to get through this really quickly. I actually have to really get going, guys. Um, I might have to just get the prawn crackers, and I'll probably have to... Can we get the prawn crackers to come out a little bit earlier before the mains? Because I actually have to get going. Um, Here we are. Maybe we should pitch something to Stan and come up with, like, a more Australian-type... Um, Cheesy yeah. Christmas film. Uh-huh. Yeah. At the moment, and we're looking for your ideas, Harry. Um, it's based on some sort of station. If you've seen Red Dog, then you would know. So, uh, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Red Dog. Okay, well, we're, we're looking One lonely we're, farmer. We're looking for One Red Dog. Tropes. Christmas Eve. Have you got any ideas? <laughs> they're on, they're on Probably good, good start for a story. Lucy, yeah. it sounds like it's all been done before. Yeah, well, that's the, what we're after. The cheesy Christmas film, two single people on Christmas Eve. Oh, we need a partner for family Christmas because Grandma's going to ask, when are you going to get a boyfriend again? <laughs> and Love actually killed off the whole um, cheesy Christmas film industry because it had, like, all these different plot lines mm. and it did every plot line in the one movie. And everyone else is like, well, what the hell are we going to do now? It's sort of like that, that jock right. in high school who sleeps with every girl. And it's like, well, what about us? And then, so what I'm saying, what I'm suggesting is mm-hmm. let's get married people in. Ah. It's called The Christmas Affair. Oh. And so what I'm talking about is there's this married woman and her husband's, like, really great with the kids. He plays with the kids, takes them to the ballpark. He, he makes her breakfast in bed. He works hard so he can send the kids to – afford to send the kids to kindergarten and preschool. But he actually works for a bank that invests in the fossil fuel industry. And so she's like, I need to get back at him. Like, I, like he's great, but I need to get back at him for, for, the, for planet Earth. Like, I need some Earth justice. I need some justice for Earth. So she wants to sleep with his best friend, just, uh, just for Earth justice. And um, it's getting close to Christmas, and she's like, this makes okay. this really artificial deadline. Like, you know when the boss at work is like, hey, we need that report by Tuesday. And you're like, okay, what's on Tuesday? It's like, I don't know. Just give it to me by Tuesday. So it's a really artificial deadline. And she's just mm-hmm. like, I want to f- bang, I want to shag my husband's best friend by Christmas. And so... She manages to, to uh, seduce um, the best friend over the Christmas period and um, under the tree in King George Square on Christmas Eve, they do it. They make love. And all, and all the kids and, 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 and Christmas Eve shoppers, late night shoppers, like, ew! Uh-huh. And then, and then at the end, they just they go Earth justice, and they fist pump the air. Earth justice, and then and then on Christmas Day, the husband wakes up and comes down and says, "I actually quit that job, with the fossil fuel job. It's I realised it was bad. So um, yeah, I love you." Lovely. It's a plot twist. Yeah. While <laughs> while I love the enthusiasm and aspects of it, I think there are some aspects that we would leave out. Earth justice. Don't take that out. <laughs> if you can leave anything in the film, it's yep. the fist pump at the end, like the freeze frame at the end, the tableau. Uh-huh. Yeah. Earth justice. I, I, I came home to a note on my kitchen bench. And, and you know, I, I, it, it was pretty upsetting because it said, sorry, I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids. I come home from work 
all right? I've been working hard. And out of nowhere, I come home and there's a note that says, sorry, I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids. And the weirdest part is I'd only been seeing this girl for like two dates. She'd never met my kids and I don't know how she got a key to my house. But I hope she feeds them um, because they're great kids. You might be saying, Harry, if you're on the lease and you've done nothing wrong, why are you getting given the boot? Even though we don't really talk that much and we barely ever see each other like ships in the night, everything had been going really well until about maybe three or four weeks ago when I came back after a night in the shandies and I was a little bit worse for wear and tear and I, I woke up and my mouth was like an Arabian desert. I was so thirsty. So I wrapped the towel around my nude body and I wander out into the kitchen and I fill up two big glasses of water. And just as I'm about to enter my bedroom again, my housemate comes bounding out of her room, dressed up lovely in her summer dress, ready for the markets on a Saturday morning, which is her, her usual ritual. And it must have been the wind from her closing the door really quickly or maybe just a sheer stroke of bad gravitational luck. But the towel just fell from my waist and I was holding these two glasses of water and I just couldn't catch it and there I was in the middle of the living room standing in front of my female housemate who had somehow managed to get through nine and a half months of the year without ever seeing me naked and there it was my giant elephantitis penis hanging there before her and the trouble was she fell in love with me in that moment she obviously fell in love with me and even though she was probably happy to live with me for another year, you can't live with another guy who brings home other women every weekend, sometimes twice, sometimes three, three women at any given time, and, and be in love with him too. It would be too heartbreaking. So what's actually occurred is she's had to say, Harry, I love you. So that's why you have to go. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, Harry, you don't wash up properly. Harry, you come home late at night and make loud noises. Harry, sometimes you're late in paying the rent and the bills. And I generally don't like you. It's, got, it's not what she's saying when she says, I was hoping that you were considering moving out. What she's actually saying is, Harry, I saw your giant elephantitis penis on that sunny, unforgettable Saturday morning. And I'm in love with you. And that's why you need to go. Um, and I'd go, trust me, I'd be the one to go. But I know there's a better home for you out there. And that's what I'm doing at the moment, house hunting. And I've got to tell you, there's something very exciting about house hunting. Uh, I, I like to read up on scientific theories that aren't based in science. And I've read not only that climate change doesn't exist, but I've also read that the room or the building that you're in can affect your mood. And then slowly over time, you become your room. You, you could become a better person, a worse person, but either way, that's exciting, right? That's like gambling. That's exciting. Sometimes people come up to me and they say, Harry, isn't the gender pay gap an injustice that uh, on average women are paid less than men for doing the same job? Isn't that an injustice? And I say, stop right there. Hold it right there, buddy. You're not factoring in the fact that most men, and by most, I mean all men, have crippling gambling addictions. It all levels out. It all comes out in the wash. We're all going home with the same amount. It's just that the women go straight home from work and the men go to the casino and then home. And then we all end up with the same amount of money in our bank accounts. So no injustice in this world. I look around this world and I see nothing but tasty sweaty justice well at least from my apartment in tenerife the thing about 
uh, high ceilings in a house. So if you've got an old house, maybe from the early 1900s or whatever, they always had very high ceilings. It actually makes you feel more important. If you have a, a very low ceiling, you actually have a bit of an inferiority complex. And if you have a view, you actually feel very, very important. Um, you feel like it's your kingdom. You look out over your kingdom. You go, oh, my people, my people. When you actually leave your house and you go walking out with the people and they go, get out of the way, hey, I'm walking here. Then you actually realize, oh, wait, I'm just actually a piece of shit. But for a moment there, when you're at home and you're looking off your deck and you go, wow, this world is mine. The world is mine. And then you start a band and then you play a show and then no one shows up. And you realize, actually, maybe my view was deceiving me. Maybe I'm not that important. A view is actually for your visitors. You're going to get used to it. You're not going to get excited every time you see your view. If you, if you get fired, you still come home and you're sad. You don't look at the view and go, actually, it's all right, because I can see office towers with lights on. In fact, if anything, it would remind you of how you don't have a job anymore. You'd be like, crap, everyone else is at work with their lights on at 9 p.m. in the EY building, and, and I'm at home like a bozo. This sucks. So a view in, no, in those situations would be bad. I'm going to tell you that a view of the city from your house is a little bit like marrying Miranda Kerr. Every guy's out there like, oh, I want to marry Miranda Kerr. She's like so hot. If you actually married Miranda Kerr, you would get so annoyed at her stupid little voice, the th- dumb things she says. You would, you would get used to it. And then you'd be like, oh, my God, this lady is intolerable. I can't do this anymore. I guarantee you, just like Orlando Bloom, you will end up just divorcing Miranda Kerr. Because there'll be like five minutes at the very beginning where you're like, oh, my God. I'm having sex with Miranda Kerr. And then the 1,000th time you do it, like you can only brag to your friends about it so many times before they just stop hanging out with you. They hang out with you. They want to talk about sport. They want to talk about, you know, how they're going at work and their problems. And, and you just sit there and go, by the way, I'm sleeping with Miranda Kerr. Sorry, sorry. I'm just going to cut you off there. I'm actually sleeping with Miranda Kerr. Oh my God, that's terrible about your grandma. I had no idea she was that sick, but I, I actually slept with Miranda Kerr. And so everyone stops hanging out with you. It actually will ruin your life. And that's a little bit like a view, having a view from your apartment. I was, when, when did you get one of those um, coffees? You know those little coffees and it's got like cream on top? Um, what, God, what do they call them again? Oh, I forgot her. Um, <laughs> please make a big, warm welcome. It's not too warm. You don't want to scold them. It is Cooper. Forgot his last name. It's Greenwood. Greenwood. And on your on your right here, my left, we have Baxter Barnum. But um, this is what uh, what they say in French: a massive conflict of interest. <laughs> um, because you guys are actually in a band with me, and so I'm having you on the show to to shamelessly cross promote um, my own song. Well, our own song. My apologies. Baxter, you play bass. Very well, might I add. All right. Uh, do you often get annoyed that uh, people only realise bass is in a song when you take it away? Um, to lesser bass players, maybe. But, you know, I think most people that listen to the verandas are listening out for the bass, you know. The fans back at home probably listening out for it. Verandas fans are purists. I mean, there aren't many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but those who are fans... Namely, our parents, our neighbours when they aren't angry and telling us to turn it down and or, and or off. They, they really love that one song we have, which is 100% of our songs. So they like everything we do. 
Yeah, yeah that's a real fan. The people at home can't see you nodding, mate. Nod louder! <laughs> now, Cooper, yep. you're, you're the shredder. Um, how long have you been shredding for? Um, I've been playing guitar for many years, but I've only really started shredding in the last couple months since I joined you guys. Right. Has the shredding coincided with the shredding of your physique? Uh, no, actually, it kind of coincided with me getting fat, to be honest, with COVID. You are a man of irony. Mm. Mm. Life is ironic. Mm. Always. Mm. Mm. Life yeah. is poetry. Mm. No, this is actually really good. What is this? Mm, it's my tongue. It's my tongue. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, I almost, I almost swallowed my tongue. Um, I'm CPR trained, don't worry, Harry. <laughs> just, you're in safe hands. Any excuse to ever um, watch Bondi Rescue? And do you think they're a little bit overzealous with their rescues? Because if you had a camera on you all day, it's a little bit like this. I call it the security guard dilemma, which is when you're a security guard with nothing to do, if you see the slightest thing wrong, you're just like, get out. It's like, man, what's wrong? It's like you did the box step, but you did it anti-clockwise. You know what I mean? They're always sniffing out trouble because they need something to do. And if you watch Bondi Rescue, there are people out there who just like, they get in the water and they wave at their friend next to them. And then next thing they know, they're getting some, you know, 50-year-old leather-skinned Bondi local getting his tongue down their throat. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they can't breathe because this man is viciously making out with them. Like, I'm sorry, you're yeah. blocking my nose and you're making out with me. I can't actually breathe. And then and then it's great television. And he's not even a lifeguard. <laughs> he was just pushing a trolley down the street and goes, ah, that's Bondi Rescue. Yeah, he was just in the mood. Yeah. Take me back to the sweet times, the hot nights. Everything's going to be all right in Logan home. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's, uh, that's the other thing. There. There. Watch out. <laughs> um, yeah. Bye. Now, uh, what you guys... We haven't... I haven't seen you guys for, like, f- a few days. Like, what's... Like, what, how... Is, when you were... What, what... I mean, how did it all go? What do you mean? No, we've got to play a song. Um, <laughs> Take trip down to Pebble Beach. We have to keep messaging the NRA, telling them you cannot play our song at your National Rifle Association rallies. Thank you very much. But they keep playing it, and to be honest, <laughs> I don't blame them. Um, and we get the royalties. So what we do is actually we go on Twitter and we say, Hey, NRA, don't play our songs at your rallies. And then we, we see how many royalties we get because they keep playing it at their rallies. And then we text the NRA saying, Hey, guys, don't... What, <laughs> someone hacked us on Twitter and said, like, Hey, NRA, like, don't, like, put, like play our songs at your rallies. And it's, like, probably some, like, greenie, like, probably some, like, like lefty, like, guy <laughs> who is probably quite reasonable um but yeah they hacked us and we get the royalties and we get the social credit for for calling out the nra who says you can't have your cake and eat the whole thing by yourself as you cry and watch bridget jones hey everyone wins man yeah oh my god this is strong um (laughs) uh now describe yourself in three words or less um all right two left well, one more. Yep. Baxter? Similar to Cooper. Yeah, okay. yours. Okay, three words. Yep. All right, starting, let me know when. Uh, right now. Let me think. Ah! <laughs> okay. 
Okay, that's okay. Is it, is it over now? Like, or am I gone over budget? I mean, that's twelve. That's twelve words. Imagine if you never told someone when the game ended, and every time they kept saying words, shit, I got it, and, and then they, they, they were forty-seven years old, had a beard down to the ankle, and they go, ah, ten thousand three hundred forty-seven. Oh no, oh, that's two more. Oh no, that's, that's five more, seven more, eight more, nine more. And, yeah, you can see how very easily. Sort of like when you stand in the shower sometimes and you stare out. If you have a, every shower needs a window to the to the night sky, mm. and you and then you sort of stare at the stars and you go, wow, who made the stars? And you go, wait a minute, whoever made the stars, who made them? And then you're just standing there in the shower, butt naked, just thinking so much. It could you could literally be there for days. That's why you need to be in the shower. Mm. So, so suddenly you, you go, whoa. Because then, then you look down at your hands and you go, because you know when you, you, you're wet for too long? They're all and, prawny and like... Yeah, they, yeah. Look like, they look like prunes. And then you go, oh, the water's made my hands all wrinkly. And then you turn the water off and it's like... And then you see the reflection in the mirror. And you're like, wait, I'm an old man. <laughs> They're not pruny fingers. I've actually been in the shower thinking about who made the stars and if so, who made them for 40 years. What? Take him down a pebble beat. Secret admirer, I want to hear him more, let him talk. Mm. I'm afraid the people have not come here today to yeah. listen to our guests, okay? <laughs> Harry actually has there, a ball gag prepared for me that's going in after this slight interview. There are guests every week. We don't need to listen to them this week. Um, a popular demand from... <laughs> Take him down a pebble beat. My popular demand from the basis of the, his, his own band. He wants to hear his own song. When it finally came out, yeah, we were. I think everyone was really stoked, eh? And it's such a good song, too. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Gotcha. <laughs> it is. It, it is a great song. Um, I think with that much. Down it's time for a very special segment. One of our uh, fan favorite segments is called Overrated Quotation of the Week. That's right, it's time for Overrated Quotation of the Week. Unlike S Club 7's lyrics, which are full of great quotes. So this week's Overrated Quotation comes from none other than Mahatma Gandhi. And uh, Gandhi says, uh, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Or should I say, Gandhi alleges... That an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Now, I want to reiterate that Gandhi was not a mathematician. Gandhi was an anorexic. All right? He starved himself. All right? And so, Gandhi comes out here and he's like, oh, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. No, Gandhi, an eye for an eye makes the whole world half blind. You lose one of your eyes. All right? So, next time you're plotting revenge against the guy who stole your girl... And you're planning some sort of explosive device uh, connected to the um, accelerator pedal of, of the, his stationary vehicle in the driveway. And you're like, wait a minute, didn't Gandhi say something about this? Just remember that half blind, half blind. And the thing is, and Gandhi was also not uh, an, an anthropologist because the thing is, when one eye is blind the other eye actually picks up the slack a little bit it's sort of like when you if you ever have the misfortune of losing a testicle um 
uh, let alone the misfortune of being born with no testicles whatsoever, because being a guy is awesome, let's be honest. And if you ever have the misfortune of losing a testicle, what actually occurs is that your other testicle picks up the slack and and works overtime so that even though you're missing 50% of your testicles, you're actually only missing 25% of your testosterone, semen, whatever you want. Whatever te- whatever testicles give you that you want, you're going to get 75% of it, even if you're missing one of them, one of the two. And so the thing is, if you're missing one eye, uh, the other eye will actually pick up the slack and will become, you know, It'll be have more peripheral vision, or have it'll just be a better eye than what it usually is. It'll be the best eye it can be, which is all its parents wanted um, was to be the best eye uh, that it could possibly be. It didn't matter about what grades the eye got. It didn't matter about whether it got into med or law school. We just loved that eye for what it was. And then um, the eye's dad he pulled him aside the evening before his HSC exams and said, "By the way, I, uh, I'm not so forgiving." If you don't get into med, then don't bother coming back for dinner. But So the eye picks up the slack. Uh, so what Mahatma Gandhi's actually got wrong, again, he's wrong on two counts. An eye for an eye will make the whole world miss one eye. You'll lose an eye, but you, you'll only lose 25% of your overall vision. So th- there's a bit of an extended asterisk, you know, fine print to this uh, quite overrated quotation by Mahatma Gandhi. In conclusion, an eye for an eye. This is next time you're plotting revenge, a guy steals your girl, right, in high school, and you're like, all right, I'm going to plant some sort of explosive device under the accelerator pedal of his stationary vehicle in his driveway. Just remember, an eye for an eye uh, makes the whole world 25% more blind than it otherwise might have been. And this is very pertinent. They go, oh, you could have had a house if you didn't spend all that money on smashed avo. It's like, yeah, but if I didn't spend all that money on smashed avo and bought a house... Uh, I wouldn't have had any smashed avo either. And so, I mean, here's the thing. If, with all the money you save from not ever buying a coffee from a cafe and not ever going out for brunch, if you add up all that money you would have otherwise spent on those fri- frivolous things, you can save up after one year and pay for all the uh, counselling sessions with your local um, psychiatrist to help you through your absolute misery from not ever having fun in your entire life. I was at a ex-cargo on the weekend. I was at a, a club, all right? And I did something that, I'm not going to lie, it went against my morals. My, my epitaph will read, here lies an honest man. And um, I was at ex-cargo and, and I, there was a, an, an incident occurred where I simply had to lie. This is what happened. My buddy, he's there and my buddy's got a girlfriend. And my buddy is there on a Saturday night and he's... Um, he sees another girl that he likes. He's not his girlfriend, unfortunately. And uh, he goes up and he says, Hey, baby, how you doing? They have a little, have a little talky-talky. They go for a walkie-walkie, a bit of talky-talky. And, and she, she's there with her buddies too. And, the, and one of these buddies is this bloke with a beard. And for starters, I hate guys with beards. And this, this, this guy was already on the wrong foot. And he hadn't, he hadn't even taken a step yet. <laughs> and so they were... I just look at this guy. He got beard and I go, God, that guy sucks. He hasn't even said anything. He hasn't even done anything. I just saw him, he had a beard. I said, that guy sucks. And and so basically, my buddy, he's gone for a walkie-walkie. He's gone for a talkie-talkie with, with the girl. And then um, a bit later on, his girlfriend actually shows up. And then he's like, hey, baby, I love you, blah, blah, blah. My girlfriend, I love her. And then guy with beard takes it upon himself to show up and 
and tell the girlfriend that that my buddy had gone for a walkie-walkie, talkie-talkie with his buddy, the girl. And he was right, all right? He was telling the truth. I'm not going to lie. Everything that he said was potentially factual. All I could tell was there was, there was, there was, there was a little bit of walkie and there was a little bit of talkie. But I didn't have a script. I didn't know where they went. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know what they said. There was a bit of walkie. There was a bit of talkie. That's all there was to it, as far as I'm concerned. And so this guy with the beard, he's showing up, and he's like, hey, just so you know, this guy has been hitting on my friend over there all night. And I'm going, this guy has broken the bro code. One day this guy's going to have an affair, all right? If he ever cuts off the beard and gets laid, he's going to have an affair one day. And maybe the last thing he'll want on that occasion is some other guy with a beard showing up and going, hey, just so you know, girlfriend of guy with beard, you used to have a beard. Um, he's been chatting with my friend over here. Like, you just don't, it's, it's breaking the bro code, dude. And so, even though potentially he was not lying, potentially, I had to, I had to call him a liar. I, so, me and my other buddy, we were like, hey, dude with beard, you're making up stories. You're coming over here, you're lying to a woman. That's rude. Never lie to a woman. And, and he's like, yo, because he was defenseless. He came over by himself. He thought it was a cowboy. And all of a sudden, he had three guys going, you're a liar. You come over here trying to steal my friend's girlfriend. You come over here, you lie, you tell stories, you make things up. And then his friend comes over. This is a bit of a scene. Am I painting a bit of a picture here? And then the girl herself, who was hit on, she comes over. This is when it was getting pretty indefensible. She comes over and she's like, I can't believe this. Yeah, he was hitting on me the whole time. We walkie-walkied, we talkie-talkied. And we had to call her a liar too. There were three guys there going, look, guy with beard, you're a liar, you're making up stories. And we're going, girl with no beard at the moment, you're a liar. And so I was like calling people liars who weren't liars. This was a really low moment for me because... This is not what I do. This is not what I'm about. But my, my buddy's relationship was potentially at stake. Um, and so I said, you're a liar and you're a liar. And then this is what she says. And, and this is amazing. But I think my comeback was better. She says about guy with beard. She says, this guy's a doctor. Why would he lie? He is a doctor. He would not lie. As if doctors, just because they get paid a lot, um get paid a freaking lot. That, that means that they would never lie. They would never be dishonest. Are you kidding me? Two words for you. Dr. Death. Uh, I'm saying, even though this guy was potentially, definitely telling the truth, I'm saying he was potentially, possibly, lying. Dr. Death. Um, Harold Shipman. God, he was, um, he was one of the worst uh, serial killers of all time. And he was a doctor. He was a GP. So there is a doctor out there in the world who was found of uh, killing potentially 250 people, right? 250 people, right? The worst serial killer of all time is a doctor. And this girl wants to come up to me. A doctor, yeah, I know a doctor might kill 250 people, 250 people. But he would never lie about whether a guy had hit on my friend at a club. Tell your story walking you bearded doctor and the, my first thought as soon as they walked away was God I hope I'm never in the emergency room and my last conscious moment is seeing that guy's beard hanging over my face and his eyes going hmm I remember you oh so you're having a heart attack 
Uh, I think you're lying about it. <laughs> God. Oh, so you've been in a terrible accident and you need emergency surgery. Mm, actually, I think you're lying. God. i got to tell you, it is an absolute honour and pleasure to be speaking with a great man from uh, Kurupa Reach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I, I'm, I've been loving your EP, Can't Put Us Out Easy. We, we, uh, us on talk, uh, Talking Dressage, we've been spinning it. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. Sweet release. It's a track. Okay, should we start the interview? Yeah, man. Oh, sorry. I thought you did. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. That, was, that was just my personal opinion. Oh, fucking insane, man. <laughs> my, my, my on-air persona is actually a lot more vicious. Like, I just rip apart bands. Like, I just like, your drama is awful. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get into the mood now. Okay, <laughs> on the count of three. You want to count in with me? Three. Yeah, yes. Three. Two. Two. One. 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 Achoo. 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 Hello and welcome to Talking Dressage on 4 Z. You are here with Harry Lee and I'm joined by one of the greatest bands of all time and one of the greatest drummers in one of the greatest bands of all time. His name is Vicente and he's joining us for the night. And Vicente! I cannot tell you how impressed and how happy I am to be joined with his presence. Vicente from Kurupa Reach! I am very impressed. Kurupa Reach! Vicente! Kurupa Reach, yeah man. Vicente. Yeah, man. Sorry? Button? Hey? Button? <laughs> no. Don't worry, man. The joke was lost. Pablo. Is he actually there? He, was, he told me that he was very shy and he didn't like to do interviews. Who? Pablo. Pablo. Yeah, Pablo. He's, he's not the... He can talk, but as soon as he's made to talk, he doesn't talk. Okay. He is the... Enigma. Say something. Don't you owe the people of Brisbane some sort of explanation? Who writes, who writes the music of uh, Corporate? Let's put the lyrics in Morse code. Uh, yeah, man. And play the Morse code through the G chord. Actually, we've got most songs in D minor, so probably. Uh, oh! Do it in D minor. Vicente? Yes. Vicente? Vicente! Yes. Vicente! Vicente! Yes! Have you ever, have you ever been into the rainforest in the Gold Coast, um, Springbrook? Yeah, yeah. I've actually been to a, a, a secret spot in there. Nice. Tell the truth. Have you, have you ever been there and you've thought that man-made music couldn't possibly complement how beautiful the natural surrounds were? Yes, I think <coughs> definitely. I've definitely contemplated that, man. <coughs> <coughs> yeah. Oh man, you're okay. <laughs> Someone call the doctor. Vicente. 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 Right now, you got to call the doctor. Vicente. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Because this is what I've been thinking about a lot, and I think in the man-made environment, there's no better music that complements an urban environment than music of. Um, Kurupa Reach, like that sort of urban sort of reggae sound, walking down the street, humid day, that, that is the sort of the vibe that I think Kurupa Reach really captures, like, yeah. so wow. accurately, but nice. in, in, a, in a purely natural environment, you went out to Uluru or you went to Uluru, 
I tend to agree. And, um, yes. Yeah, I actually go camping at Strabo's every year. And the amount of times I've seen people that arrive late at night and set up their tent on the beach. Yeah. In the low, in the low tide and then they wake up <laughs> in the morning with the, the waves crashing into that tent. I wonder if they feel like that's the best sound. And the locals the just world. get around and they just do a haka and they go, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, man. Do you like gelato? Yeah. Are you emotionally prepared to look out the passenger window and see one of the uh, cargo luggers just chuck your guitar case into a pile of baggage? Yeah. And it misses the cart and lands on the asphalt. They chuck it again. Misses the cart again. Lands on the asphalt. They chuck it again. And then misses they again. steal it. And then they steal the guitar. Oh, my God. It literally happens. To that extent? To that Is extent. That and while you're watching out the window, Last they write a hit with your guitar. Window. And you're like, let me out. I want to talk to him. I just want to talk to him. And they're like, sir, sit down. Sit down. Put your belt buckle back on. I want to talk to you. I just want to talk to him. Is this happening all while you're on the tarmac? Absolutely. And then they write a hit with your half-broken guitar to on the tarmac. You're looking out the window. My briefcase. And don't write a hit yeah, that competes with me it. in the charts. I don't think they're allowed to let people out once the doors have closed. Yeah. Uh, the, on this airplane, I was flying. I said, let me out, let me out. And she was like, what? What? Because she couldn't hear me because I had the window wound down. What? In a plane? Yeah. I, I don't know. Are you sure you Let me plane? talk to him. Yes. Let me talk to him. Do you like Paul Kelly? Do I like Paul Kelly? Yes. Um, Let me talk to him. You know, I haven't, honestly, I haven't listened to too much Paul Kelly. Vicente. Yes. Vicente. No. <laughs> yeah. Vicente. Real bridge. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Vicente. Vicente! Vicente! Help, Vicente! Yes. Vicente! Vicente! Yes. Vicente! What's next for Corporation? What's the next song to come out? What's You got the EP and... EP, yes, listen to it. If, you, if, you're, if you're awake right now, I, I want you to listen to it if you can. That'd be nice. Nimbin? Nimbin yeah. is Harry Kuehl. <laughs> <laughs> and Karanda yeah. is Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the, the, that place yeah. is yeah, yeah. is legitimately a hippie colony. You, you roll up there and you're like, hey, where do I pay tax? So I've got my tax here. Where do I pay that? And be like, you don't do that here in Karanda. <laughs> Nice tour with a nice, uh, nice other reggae band lined up. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled because there's some good, good stuff coming. Vicente, if you were half as excited as me, you'd be slapping yourself in the face with your own erection. That is amazing news. Vicente, we cannot wait to see you next year in Brisbane or Early Beach or Byron Bay. The new EP is sensational and i got to tell you, Sweet Release is an amazing track and we're going to be playing that tonight. And Thank you very much yeah, for blessing man. the world with, the, with a track and an EP like this. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you, man. Very nice conversation. It was arguably a D&M. Yeah.
I, I felt like I got the day. What are you doing tomorrow? Thanks, Vicente. Oh, See you later, See you, mate. Come up on reach, baby. Yeah. Come up on reach. Sweet release on Fortable Z. Talking to Assage. Okay, so do we think that... So the band is Westworld. Do yes. we think the record is called Sonic Boom Boy, but the song is called Sonic Boom Bop? It's only got two sides. Would you do you want to add any additional features of describing the artwork, Harry? Well, when I first picked it up, yeah, uh, I I wasn't sure what the name of the band actually was. I wasn't sure if the artist was Sonic Boom Boy, and this was his album Westworld. Mm. On the back, in very big letters, it has Andrews Burton Westwood. I wasn't sure if this is some sort of obscure musical theatre soundtrack right, artist. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's the that's the real X factor of Westworld is that you don't know uh, their band name. Yeah, <laughs> if it's you sort were... of like a Melbourne bar that's like all like closed up, but it's actually open. Uh-huh. But they pull down the roller door and they just sit inside in the darkness with <laughs> yeah. no customers going. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Love it. Okay, is there a well... typo? Because the album says Sonic Boom Boy, but then on the other side it says Sonic Boom Bop. Yeah, I reckon that. Is it the bop the release, or is it the boy? I would like to know that. Maybe we Give me back my son! <laughs> if you do know. This is our deep dive for the 1987. week. 1987. If it was three years later, I'd say there's going to be like a rap interlude by a white True. guy with a 10-pack of abs and a bowl cut Very walking on the fair. beach going, <laughs> Potentially Blanch a and black and five, six, seven, eight. Blanch and black and black and black and boy, Westworld, 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 Westworld. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> um, off the release Sonic Boom Boy. Say what you want about Sonic Boom Boy or Bop, um, but like if, if I just sit down on the couch and just listen to that and do nothing else for five minutes, I'd be a little bit ambivalent about that. Mm-hmm. But if I had to, if, if someone was like, hey, deliver this package across town, you've got two minutes, we need to get to, we need to, get to Chelmer, deliver this package, uh, and I put on <laughs> Sonic Boom Boy in the car, and I said that on repeat, and I was driving to Chelmer, and I was like, I've got, I've got, I've got two minutes to get to Chelmer. Like, uh-huh. that would be awesome. Yeah. So good. <laughs> you know, only those circumstances. Either that or the heat is on by yeah. uh, <laughs> from Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, thoughts. Did we like? Would we listen again? Would yeah. I pay $1.69 on iTunes? Maybe not. Mm. Would I no. stream for free? Yeah. Potentially, <laughs> if I wasn't in the room. Would I add it to my own playlist? I don't think so. What, you don't have a um, delivery, um, express delivery emergency playlist? No, unfortunately. We've got two minutes to get yeah. to Camp Hill. We've got to yeah. go to this package. <laughs> <laughs> the heat is on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good. Okay. Well, um, okay. Uh, Harry, do you have to bounce? Or what? can you stick around? That is the most passive-aggressive thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that is I'm the equivalent. Just at the time. Lucinda has turned the music off and turned the lights off, and she's actually putting the chairs on top of the table right now. Going, do you actually have to leave? <laughs> I had a um organic beer last night. Uh, you're probably at home wondering what's the difference between a normal beer and an organic beer, and I'm here to tell you the label. And the great thing about organic beer, which I discovered last night, is that. You can do whatever you want during the day. You can push an old lady in front of a bus. You can steal the medals of of a celebrated war veteran to buy drugs. But as long as when the night falls and the lonely heart calls, you go off to your local bottle-o and you buy some organic beer, 
and your conscience is clean. You are atoned for whatever sins. The, the, and the other thing is you fart just as much, but it's not as toxic for the environment because it's organic beer. Blacken my teeth and call me British. I'm here to encourage you to make your own muesli. And what you can do is you leave out the nasty pepitas. You see, no one likes pepitas. This is where people put pepitas in food and they think we're not going to note it. And that's why I feel sorry for people who are allergic to nuts the most. It's not because you don't eat nuts. It's because you have to eat pepitas. That's the worst thing about being nut-free. Because every time you go get a muesli bar from a cafe, you go, oh, have you got anything that's nut-free? They go, yeah, we've got this um, fruity bar with pepitas in it. It's like, I think we should all get together. But here's the thing. We have things like the UN and we have the Australian Parliament and they get together, but they don't talk about the important stuff. They don't talk about whether people like pepitas, whether they should be banned entirely because no one actually likes them. We should just stop growing them. They get to the UN, they talk about nuclear weapons, they talk about infectious diseases. They bore the absolute living algae um, out of my socks. And I'm here to say, if they actually got together, if we sent off the representatives of every country in the world and they just got in a huddle, put their arms around each other and said, look, if they just smoked a big-ass blunt and all our world leaders huddled around each other, just loving each other, loving each other, and then they said, hey, right, is there anyone here who actually likes pepitas? And then the uh, the guy from Finland would be like, what? We're like, is, is there anyone here like pepitas? He'd be like, what? And they'd be like, jeez, I've got the Finnish guy here. He doesn't even speak English. So, and then you get the translators in and then you go... Is there anyone here who actually likes pepitas? Pepitas. So all the world leaders are like, well, why are we growing them? Who are these people? Who are these farmers that are growing pepitas? And this is the worst part. Every year around January, there's some charity that kicks into gear that goes, it's a drought, the farmers are struggling, help the farmers. And we're all like, yes, farmers, they're such nice people, we need to help them. What we forget is that there are farmers out there who grow pepitas. Our donations should be conditional. In fact, all right, we'll help the dairy farmers. We'll help the cattle farmers. We'll help the people who are growing, you know, black beans. These are good people. They're supporting our Mexican food industry, our thriving Mexican food industry. There's a Guzman and Gomez in every street corner. Christ, we need so many black beans. Where are we going to get them all from? So we need to support our farmers. But what we very easily forget is that there are farmers out there growing pepitas. And these pepitas... They end up in your salads at family dinners. They end up in your... They're, they're, for, crying out loud, they're in kids' lunchboxes. Think of the children. Yeah, you should feel bad. Because there's something we can do about this. Um, I know you're going to say, oh, look, but what about the farmers who are, you know, uh, d- making dairy? And what about the farmers who are raising cattle and herding sheep? What about our hard-working Aussie farmers that keep this economy ticking? And I'm here to say that they're collateral. They're just gonna have to be collateral, and you and I'm so so sorry. But if that if if we ban farming altogether, or if we just let the drought take its course and don't give to any charity, I know that a lot of farmers are gonna suffer. I know a lot of boarding schools are gonna find it really hard to fill up their their boarding school beds. But the trouble is. If that's what we have to do to stop the production of pepitas, then I'm prepared to do it. And that's why I'm running for local mayor next year. And if if elected, I will make sure that no health food store in Brisbane is allowed to stock pepitas unless they are willing to seed both their kneecaps in quick succession. And that is my promise to the people of Brisbane. I will keep our streets pepita-free. Um...
So we'll work on the slogan. Harry and me, Pepita free. The most overused phrase in the world is pizza party. The, the, it's thrown around. It's it's almost lost its meaning because if there's just more than one pizza and a group of people, they call it a pizza party. I actually would argue you could have two pizzas in a room, lock the door and have no person in the room and it would be a pizza party. All you need is more than one pizza and all of a sudden you have a pizza party. And why do pizza parties like sort of stop them all do you get? But there are less pizza parties. I'm here to say, come to my place on the weekend for an open house pizza party. Any man, any dog can come into my house and as long as you bring a pizza, um, actually, there's going to be like a thousand people and two pizzas. And technically, because there's pizza there, it's a pizza party. That's the other thing. You can have as many people as you want and you can have half a slice of margarita pizza. And all of a sudden, it's a pizza party because there's pizza at the party. It, seriously, what define a pizza party. And the thing is, everyone's having a good time at the open house pizza party until someone like... You know, they've had a few too many of the, the tandoori chicken pizzas um, and they, they go to the bathroom and there's a dead hooker in there. And they go, oh my God, this is the loosest pizza party, loosest open house pizza party I've ever been to. There's a de- there is a dead hooker in the toilet. Can someone give me a hand to move her into the living room so I can use the toilet? I've had a few too many slices of tandoori chicken uh, pizza. Is there anything more Australian than giving the car a little toot as you as you drive off from your mate's place. Farewell to each other like three times. Thanks for the lift. See you, mate. Yeah, no worries. See you. Yeah, have a good one. Yep, yep. And take care. See you Friday. Yep, see you Friday. And then even after all that, they go, beep, beep. And you go, <laughs> see ya. I was in the office yesterday and there's a bloke there who you sort of look at him and sometimes you hear him speak and you go, this guy doesn't know much about sport. This is not This is not a sporty guy. And so we had a little bit of a betting syndicate going around. We said, all right, let's see who gets closest um, to the score, the final scoreline. They said, Harry, what do you think the scoreline's going to be? And I said, oh, I think it's going to be 22 to New South Wales and I think six points to Queensland. And then we go around the circle and they said, what about him? Like, we, we don't refer to him as the non-sporty guy. But in a way, if workplace bullying wasn't illegal, we kind of should refer to him as that and so um we say oh look you want to have a go as well and said yeah and i said what do you think the final score is going to be in the state of origin and he says um 13 points to new south wales and 20 points to queensland he says 13 20 it's freaking rugby league all right you don't kick a, a field goal a field goal is one point you don't kick them unless it's really tight like i'm not sure if there ever has been a 13 20 score line in the history of rugby league and i had to contain my laughter and then i laughed all afternoon i laughed all evening until the final whistle blew and i was at the caxton hotel and i looked at the score line 14 20 the little bugger got the closest score out of any of us. Non-sporty guy. He's going home with the chocolates. And that's what blokes do. We gamble even when we don't even know anything about the sport, how points are scored. We just go, yep, I'll throw my hat in the ring. There's 20 bucks on red. And they go, mate, mate we're playing two up. I said on red. Anyway, it's, it's Collingwood versus Carlton, mate. What are you doing? On red. I I hate every country except Australia and Tasmania.
we like to begin every uh, episode of Talking Dressage with a healthy bout of racism. We get it all out of our system. It's like what they say in preschool when you shake out the sillies, but it's like the adult version of shaking out the sillies where you simply go into a public place and you shout every racist thing you can think of, you get it all out of your system and you can go straight into the office and you can talk to the multicultural people in your office as if they're on equal footing with you in the world. And it's just, and it feels great. I have something rather controversial to say, and this is the sort of thing that we say it out loud. Uh, two men in black outfits come and drag you away very quickly. So if I'm abruptly cut off, you know exactly what's happened. And that is that Jessica Watson, Australia's golden girl, who apparently circumnavigated the globe, uh, unfortunately, uh, as much as I hate to be the bearer of bad news, I actually enjoy being the bearer of bad news. And that is that, so you, you might recall... Season, she got an Order of Australia medal. So she's Jessica Watson OAM. God knows what she's up to now. She's a child star, right? Because she did, she did this, uh, she was a teenager. She was something like 17 years old. And she sailed in 2010. She sailed by herself. Well, this is no small feat, all right? Our Jessica, our golden girl. But the thing is, she got the uh, Young Australian of the Year. She got the Order of medal, uh, medal of the Order of Australia. But at the time when she came back after she circumnavigated the globe, that's in inverted commas, the word circumnavigate there, there was a guy who was like from Germany or something and he was like, oh, by the way, uh, you actually didn't go around the world because you took a shortcut at this particular spot. And everyone in Australia just collectively went, shut up, you dirty old man. Um, and we celebrated her. She was our golden girl. We gave her a medal. She became Young Australian of the Year. But the thing is, I don't want anyone to forget the fact that she actually didn't circumnavigate the globe. Um, and here it says... Uh, she returned to Sydney on 15 May 2010, three days before her 17th birthday. So, look, I'm not saying it's not an achievement. I'm just saying sometimes Australia can't handle the truth. And on this particular occasion, Australia could not handle the truth. And the truth was Jessica Watson, our golden girl, did not circumnavigate the globe. And there was an angry, disgruntled German man who said she did not circumnavigate the globe. She uh, fell short of the, of the required 21,600 nautical miles to be considered a global circumnavigation. And it was that, that fact was completely glazed over. So what, actually, what Jessica actually did was go on a really big trip. And she was 17 as well. This is actually just a really sophisticated equivalent of like when you pack your swag when you're a kid and you go, Mum and Dad, I'm running away. And they go, sure, you'll be back before dinner. And then she actually, she ran away. She attempted to circumnavigate the globe. The key word there being, I must say, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you're in the workplace and you say, oh, by the way, Jessica Watson, Jessica Watson didn't actually circumnavigate the globe, then you lose your job. You, you actually get cancelled. Like if you have a morning show on television and you come on and, and you have a, a disgruntled German middle-aged man on the show and he says, uh, by the way, um, it's me again, <laughs> I'm still here, Jessica Watson did not circumnavigate the globe, um, you get cancelled. The show gets cancelled, they put on new hosts, hosts who very willingly and very loudly say, Jessica Watson circumnavigated the globe, she's a golden girl, she's got the Order of Australia medal and she was Young Australian of the Year and one day she's going to make a play for Australian of the Year, she's going to do something great. And if you love her circumnavigation you are gonna love her circumcision Jessica Watson is getting circumcised anything circum she's into it and it's gonna be live on TV the whole thing's gonna be live streamed on on Instagram the the circumcision of Jessica Watson and she's gonna become Australian of the year and that is why she is our golden girl and I take nothing away from the fact that this lady went at the, at a age all right, over 10 years younger than my age, all right? Well, I was still 
pissing my pants and shitting the bed at the age of 17 and a half, Jessica Watson was circumnavigating, attempting to circumnavigate the globe. And guess what Jessica Watson did? She didn't do that. But guess what she did did? She tried. Water, water, all around, Nora dropped a drink. Anyway, that's a little quote from The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. For those of you who like your really long and quite average poetry at home, it's a story about a man who's on a boat, a little bit like Jessica Watson was, um, and he sees an albatross, and he uh, shoots the albatross for no damn good reason, and he is cursed. And the, the only way to relieve himself of the curse is to wear the albatross around his neck. And that is where you get the old saying, this is the albatross around my neck. And a lot of people, they come up to me and they go, Harry, you owe me a lot of money. And, and then some other people come up to me and they go, Harry, where does the saying, an albatross around my neck come from? And I'm here to tell you, very loudly that it comes from the ancient poem the rhyme of the ancient mariner and the thing is i have an albatross around my neck and that albatross is the fact that one day i was cycling at the south bank and i was uh, cycling behind a, a strange i didn't know this young man but this young man was not in a good mood and you will understand that after what i say uh next and that is he he cycled very fast uh, past a group of adults who were walking and and that it was quite close to them he almost he was very close he was going very fast so naturally a couple of the adults said whoa hey buddy and then he turns around and he uh, and he, and he turns around and he says shut up fatties and the, these four adults who i guess there are a little there was a little bit more to love on them there's a little extra to hold on to um, when, when the lights are off and uh, it was it was very rude, and then and then one lady said, "Oh wow," because I was shocked at this young man's rudeness. This young man on a push bike, and and he turned around once more, and he said, "Shut up, fat bitch," and uh, it was one of the most rude and uncalled for and angry moments in probably world history, and I was casually cycling, and I just cycled past the group of adults, and. That was an opportunity where I really should have said, I should have slowed down next to the group of adults and said, wow, that was really rude and really uncalled for. Because at that moment in time, they were probably looking at themselves going, what's wrong with the world? What, look at the young men on push bikes are doing. And I had the opportunity to correct them. I had the opportunity of saying, hey, guys, we're not all like that guy. That guy just has problems. I said nothing about this young man who yelled this group of, I guess they were a little bit overweight. They were a little bit chubby. All right, I'll be the first one to say they probably had a few too many Tim Tams over the course of their lives. But they, that does not warrant a young man on a push bike to uh, turn around and call them fatties and then fat bitches. And so, and he just took off. He was a coward. He turns, not only is he on a push bike, all right, he's got wheels, but he, he says, sharp fat bitch, and then he takes off faster than the wind could carry him. And I, uh, so I had this albatross around my neck for a little while because I didn't, sta I didn't, you know, correct, I didn't cor correct the equilibrium in the world by going up to the adults and saying, by the way, that was rude. And I hope you guys have a really nice afternoon and enjoy your walk, which is what they needed to hear to make them feel better again. So little, about two weeks later, I was at the Petrie Terrace at, at the Barracks Coles. And there were these, uh, it was school holidays, which is a time that all retirees dread. Uh, worse 
than the coronavirus outbreaks. They dread school holidays when these teenagers clock off and start skateboarding in public places. And on this particular occasion, there were a group of skateboarders and they were sk- they're skating around and there was, there was a bit of a ruckus. And this lady with a bum bag, she'd had enough. She'd quite simply had enough. And she got up and she said something along the lines of, I've had enough. And and said that she was and she accused these uh, young skaters of scaring the uh, older people who were trying to relax at the barracks, and I, I could not believe what I saw and heard. But this young man, about as high as my waist, he says, "Look, fucking like." Oh, sorry, excuse the French, but this is like a quite a quite this this young man he says, oh, "Fucking like, why like why are you being so fucking disrespectful to us?" And I couldn't believe it that this young man was swearing at an old lady. And so I said, "I said, this is my chance to atone for my sins and and remove the albatross from my neck." And so I went and I stood next to the old lady and I said, "Don't swear." At, uh, at ladies. Don't swear at women. And and the kids were oh, well, like, well, we were just like skating and she was like, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually they left and the old, the old lady was still like mad. And this is where I thought that maybe she was being a bit unreasonable because she was so mad. She's like, she stormed off and got and, and asked Coles, the people at Coles, the good people at Coles for the, for the, for the building manager. And, and I said, look, there's just a couple of kids skating. They've left. Can we all just go home? It's been a nice day. Let's not ruin it now. Let's just go home. Let's just put on an, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, relax, and and wait for this whole coronavirus thing to blow over. So that is all I had to say about Jessica Watson, who is our golden girl. Good evening, cult followers of Talking Dressage. My God, you are cult followers of this show. You walk around in white robes all day, drinking Kool-Aid, and you listen to my show. It's great to have you here. It's even better to have me here um, by a country mile. I've got a a buddy of mine. He's uh, opening an ice cream shop. He's been working for a big company for a few years, and he's like a cog in the machine, and he's had enough. He wants to follow the great Australian tradition of starting your own business, being your own boss, and completely fucking up your life. Sorry, uh, excuse the French. But uh, I feel like um, starting your own business is like one of those beautiful crystal clear uh, rivers that you just go, oh, I want to dive in, I want to go for a swim. It looks so beautiful. And then 10 metres down the flowing water is uh, a massive waterfall, 100 metres high. And so you get in there and it's just bliss. And you go, wait a minute, I can't swim against this current. I can't. I didn't notice the current was so strong when I was standing on the side. And then you just go Poosh, over the edge. And that is the great Australian tradition of starting your own business. But don't tell my buddy this because he's pretty excited. He said, look, he's crunched the numbers. And he's going to open an ice cream store in Fitzgibbon. And if you live in the north of Brisbane and you live a little bit more north of that, then you probably live near Fitzgibbon, probably a little bit south of there. And um, the thing is, is that he's going to open this ice cream store. And so that means when he's going around and buying gelato and ice cream at the moment, all the money that he spends on buying ice cream is tax deductible because he's going in and he's going to say gelatissimo, he's going to La Masseleria, he's going to uh, Messina Gelato and he's buying gelato there. And because he's like sampling, he's testing flavors, it's actually work-related and tax deductible. And so because he owns an ice cream store, 
he can go and buy ice cream from other places and it's tax deductible. And I, I thought, that is genius. And I said, and it gave me the idea that maybe I'll just open a brothel and then I can just go around and um, just keep the receipts. Um, never throw one out. You never know when you start a small business and go down that very strong current and that beautiful crystal clear water that looks so shiny and glistening on the on from from the banks. Yes. Harry Lee. I'm trying to work on my Jason Derulo entrance into any room. I say my name and people will know I'm there. But state of origin last night, I gotta tell you, sometimes good things happen to good people. And other times, Queensland wins the state of origin. Queensland scored a try. And I've never seen such jubilation in all my life, apart from that time that I found out that I I didn't have herpes. I just Googled it, and it said, despite being incredibly itchy and having lumps all over your genitals, um, it could just be a mosquito bite. And uh, it's just great. It was just, I was over the moon with that. And i got to tell you, mosquito bites aren't going away. It's been a couple of years, but thank you, Google. I've heard it said that what makes NRL so great is that the only way you can tell the players apart from the fans is the uniforms. Because... Every every week we hear another scandal or an NRL player's done this, an NRL player's done that. And of course they've done this and of course they've done that because they're human. It's the only sport where the illusion that an, a, an athlete is somehow of a more acute moral compass is is shattered. Um, because we, we, we try to keep this illusion alive that soccer players and rugby union players and tennis players are somehow... Uh, good people just because they can throw their weight around on, on a clay court. It's just simply not the case. NRL is is an honest game. And yet, ironically, it's painted as an immoral sport because of all these scandals. When really, it's the only sport in the world where they stand up there butt naked in a sex tape and say, here I am. This is who I am. Call me Big Popper. Uh... And also, I've heard you, you released a new song via the text line, but I think I've heard it. Anyway, yes. Harry hosts the show I played called... my own song three times on Thursday night. <laughs> it, was, it was what Jackie Trad would call not a conflict of interest at all. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Harry hosts Talking Dressage, formerly a decanter of banter on Fortable Z. Late night show, one hour. How would you say, how would you describe the show um, if you had to describe it to Maddie, who's never listened to it? In one emoji or less... <laughs> Okay. Ooh, <laughs> it is essentially uh, him yelling at the microphone for an hour, um, but brings in guests sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And they yeah. Very, help you. They leave yeah. abruptly. <laughs> yeah, and always with this little handbook that, like, have... I got my little yellow book. You know how people have a little black book? Ooh, uh-huh. like when, when yeah. someone pushes in front of you in the, in the 12 items or less line at Woolworths, you go, oh, yeah. I got my little black book. I got a little yellow book. So yeah. you think, oh, he, he's writing compliments in there. It's just yeah. like, death to America! <laughs> 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 Pretty much, yeah. This is something that you should ascribe, maybe even tattoo just above your, your butt crack if you feel it really resounds with you, and that is that there is a lot more damage done by not telling someone you love them than by telling them that you love them. So if you ever feel inclined to tell someone you love them, just do it because nothing ever bad happened from someone telling the truth. Bad things only ever happened from people lying. And so, uh, well, maybe that's a lie. 
Um, it's, it's, who knows what to believe in 2020? 